Code Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk. Take a bunt on Twitter. And um, it's been a little bit since I've been talking to you solo. It's been a little bit since there's been like a mainline episode of the podcast. Sorry about that for sure. Um, but it's very nice to, to to be here again, to be talking with you all. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about today um, the concept of progression, particularly as it concerns like um, – I don't know, video games and life. Uh, you know, part of the reason that uh, I've been uh, away from the main podcast a little bit is because, you know, I started to question the, uh, you know, the progression of the podcast, you know, thinking about like, okay, well, you know, it was on an upward trajectory at a certain point, it sort of leveled off, which is fine. But am I, you know, still exploring stuff that I find interesting? Am I going through the motions? Do I have to come up with something new? All these things. I mean, this is like, this is like, you know, not exactly um, huge news. Uh, this is what you know. Pretty much every podcast goes through, um, even if it's around for two episodes or two hundred episodes. Um, but one of the reasons I, I, I ended up kind of stopping for a bit, and not stopping is a little strong. I've maybe been like two or three weeks, um, and there's been episodes in between. But for my purposes, for my feeling with the podcast, right? Like I haven't put up a main episode in a while and it feels that way to me. Um, you know, one of the reasons was just because I, I started thinking about like, okay, the, the, the podcast, if in fact it doesn't have any progression, doesn't mean that I have anything to say. And, and, you know, like, is it, is it reasonable for like an almost 38 year old white guy to be like, you know, mouthing off about video games when it's, you know, primarily a younger space. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not getting any younger and my takes perhaps aren't as well. Um, you know, kind of reflecting on that and reflecting on, you know, what have I done to, to, to get better at this? What have I done to change this? And again, like this is not an uncommon way of thinking about one's work, particularly uh, when you're thinking about the work in terms of, um, you know, like a project, uh, a creative project or, or, or a side project or something that, you know, you generally love to do, but isn't your main source of income, which is for me what no cartridge is. Um, you know, one of the things that kind of snapped me out of that position, and one of the things that kind of like made me rethink what I was what I was thinking about, particularly in terms of like valuing the show as a sort of clear progression forward, monetarily, uh, productively, things like that, was um, oddly enough uh, completing this goal that I had in. Um, Final Fantasy XIV, the game I, I spend far too much time playing because it's become kind of a comfort food for me, um, something I can do to relax. Um, in Final Fantasy XIV, it's a multi, you know, massive multiplayer online RPG. Uh, and in uh, Final Fantasy XIV, there is uh, the Triple Triad card game, which uh, many of you will uh, recognize from Final Fantasy VIII, and I think it was in nine as well. Uh, it's been sort of like, you know, in the in the air of Final Fantasy since uh, Final Fantasy VIII, we'll say um, the uh, the the way that it shows up in this game is much the same as the others. It's it's a card game. It, it involves like uh, three by three square board, um, and you you play against opponents. Sometimes they're NPCs, sometimes they're people in the actual game. Um, and I, I liked it just fine. And, and at one point, I was like, you know, what would be fun. What would be fun is getting all the triple triad cards. Um, 
And then I found out that there was an achievement where you could get all the triple triad cards and you could get a mount, which is, uh, for anyone who doesn't play MMOs, just like a big thing you can ride around the map. Uh, and other people can see, and the mount is a giant triple triad board. It's fun. It's like a, it's a, it's a neat little thing. Well, it turns out, so this ended up taking me a really long time, uh, because it turns out the uh, the Triple Triad cards come from all sorts of things. They come from things called Beast Tribe quests, uh, which are these kind of like side questy things that you can do to level up characters. They come uh, from random drops from bosses and dungeons, uh, some of which are, are, are not particularly played as often as others. Um, they come from side content, which like... You know, you have to play quite a few quests to get through. They come from dungeons with inside content. Uh, some of the stuff you have to look up, some of the, the the places I had to unlock. And what I found doing it all was, you know, uh, finishing it was really, really satisfying and like a pretty cool moment. But actually getting the mount and finishing all that was really not super important to me. What ended up being important was that I was able to do a bunch of the stuff that people worked on in this game that I otherwise would not have touched. So the stories about the Blue Mage uh, job progression, um, I finished up the Manderville quests, which are great. If anyone's played the game or, or is playing the game, you may know those quests, or if you don't uh, and you are playing the game, those are really fun. Um, and all sorts of other stuff. I mean, I'm not going to talk about Final Fantasy XIV the whole time, but like, it, you know, to not get too deep into it, it opened up a number of uh, paths in the game that I found like super compelling um, and things I, I never would have touched were it not for the need to go, you know, get these cards. And as a result, I started thinking about the idea of process and goal and, and all those things. And what I realized, of course, was that the, you know, the common sort of cliche is, is true that, um, you know, it, it isn't always the uh, the outcome that matters. It is often the journey that counts the most. Um, and so, like, this seemed like a very silly, kind of like simplistic approach to uh, to kind of like coming up with a, a, a an idea about myself and about the project that that I'm talking about right now, which is the podcast. Um, and I, I started thinking, okay, like, what more can I say about that? And I think. Um, what I, what came to me was that you know thinking about life in terms of process as opposed to goal is something that um, a is is maybe not the most natural thing in the world. Um, you know, we as people uh, view um, outcome as the most important thing because that's kind of what ends up counting. Um, you know, thinking about this after uh, my beloved Philadelphia Eagles lost the Super Bowl, you know, it is a it's a it's a it's an element of like, well, you know, the season was still quite good, even if they didn't win that last game. It feels like something that is not quite true, even though objectively, it's of course, true. Um Furthermore, like, uh, you know, the the idea of an end goal, the idea of something that you can hang on your mantle and say, like, I did it is something that is uh, very much, um, you know, it, it, it's embedded in our way of living. We want to get something. It gives us a psychological release, but it's also embedded within the society we live in. Right. Like a capitalist society demands that you. Um, keeps striving for some sort of new outcome, right? That's the idea of persistent demand. Um, it's why when you buy the thing you want, you're just not particularly happy about it um, like you thought you would be. Um, and so, you know, that that 
brought me into these other ways of thinking and then sort of like, you know, critiquing process and, and, and all this stuff. And what I ended up kind of discovering, uh, particularly about myself, but I think about a lot of people as well, is that um, as much as I love video games and as much as I love uh, thinking about video games as media, they are uh, a perpetrator of uh, one of the, the biggest kind of, uh, I don't know, damaging... I don't want to say frauds, that's a little strong, <laughs> but damaging tendencies, let's say, of uh, modern media, um, which is that they they encourage um, completion as, as a goal as opposed to comprehension or, or um, you know, contemplation, right? Um, we, we play video games and we're given quests, we're given side quests, we're given things to do, we're given outcomes. We can 100% the game, right? You can platinum a game. Um you know what parts of the game, therefore, are valuable. You know which part leads to another part, right? Everything is instrumentalized. Um, you know, point A leads to point B insofar as we need point B to, you know, uh, get an achievement or, you know, flesh out the inventory or get like a side um, uh, object or, you know, whatever, right? Like there's a million ways that, you know, games are instrumentalized and given a sort of pathing that makes everything about them I want to say like necessary or like it makes everything about them sort of like functional. Right. And we started to view media this way as well. Right. Like with the idea of lists, um, defending the movies we watch, particularly this happens with superhero movies when people want to defend them. The idea that they, they sort of efficiently have everything that you could possibly want and tell so many stories. Why would anyone not, not like them? Um, and then people who like sort of like uh film that isn't superhero movies are saying, well, you know, they're, they're actually missing all the stuff that was in other movies. Whereas the the question shouldn't be like, what do you have to watch to get film exactly? It should be like, you know, what are we getting out of individualized films? Um, same with music, same with literature, um, the sort of like birth of list culture and the idea that you can like read 100 novels and, and, and get your fill or whatever. Um, this is this is an issue, right? Um, I think, um, you know, a, a good sort of like counterpoint to this is um, – uh, Sean McTiernan's uh, um, uh, thousands of uh, uh, thousands of dead bodies or hundreds of dead bodies. I forget if it's thousands or hundreds. Sorry, it's been a minute since I listened to that podcast. Um, and then uh, hundreds of dead pixelated bodies, um, wherein the the list essentially just becomes a, a representative whole, a representative of a whole that um, the 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 host Sean does not ever really um, tell you that he's going to like get to all of. That's not really the point. Um, but I think most lists do not do that. Most lists say like, this is the goal, right? Like set this self, set this for a goal. Then you will know about X or to know about Y. Here's what you need to know. And that's a really reductive way to think about culture. And it's a really reductive way to think about life. Um, and again, I think this is something that video games kind of encourage us to do because we're given lists and tasks and things to complete. Um, we're, we're sort of like we're obsessed with our backlogs, right? Like what? how many games do you have in your Steam key, uh, library that you haven't played? You know, the number hangs over your head. And it becomes this sort of automated set of goals that is, um, I don't know, like it, 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 it stresses us out. It, it makes our lives worse. Um, and, you know, as much as I love video games, I think they are a prime uh, culprit of, of, of that way of thinking. Um, and <laughs> just, to, just to really put this point forward, I'm going to take a quick break here so we have a bit, little minute for the ad break. But I want to think about this a little more when we come back. Okay, thanks for that. So why I'm bringing this up, right? 
part of what has been a struggle for me with the podcast, you know, this is, you can skip ahead if you don't want to hear any sort of like stupid personal stuff. But like one of the things that has been a struggle for me about the podcast is um, thinking about it as a failed process. Right. Um, and this is in part because, you know, my, my job before this, which is to say uh, being an academic, getting my PhD and doing all that uh, was also a, a failed process or was a failed process. I, I don't think the podcast is a failed process, but the PhD in many ways was a bit of a failed process. Um, did I did I not get anything out of it? No, that's not true. I read a, a lot of really good books. I changed the way I think about things. I, you know, I was able to really mature as a person and a thinker. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for the things I've learned within the PhD. Absolutely. That's not just me saying, and I, I really do mean that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, viewing the PhD as a process is, is only natural when it's a degree, right? It's a thing that you get. It's, it's, you know, people will tell you, oh, you know, you want to do it for the knowledge, but of course you're paying for it. Um, whether or not you, you have, you, you know, I didn't pay to go to my PhD program. Like a lot of people I was on, um, essentially a fellowship. Um, but you know, you pay because you're not making any money at all. And those years you could be uh, making a lot more money and, and, you know, building that job that actually does pay. Um, and so, you know, you put in your dues and you're thinking like, okay, well, since I know what the goal is and since I'm following the process correctly, I will be rewarded in the end. Um, and I'm reminded of uh, something um, uh, my professor, uh, Anna Kornblue, um, uh, wonderful, wonderful person, wonderful scholar. Um, you know, definitely if you are a Victorian lit uh, lover, um, I would check out her work. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. Uh, and also tweets sometimes over at V21 Collective. Um but Anna was talking to me about my uh, career and said, you know, you might want to think about because I, I did the I did a smart thing and I, I, you know, didn't follow through, which wasn't so smart. But uh, I, I did a smart thing and asked people about like, OK, like, what should I be doing as a grad student? Um, and she said, you know, you might want to not do contemporary American literature. Uh, you know, you're good at it. But like I've seen a lot of my friends in contemporary American literature uh, struggle to get jobs because and students and, and whatever struggle to get jobs because um, it is such a crowded field. Um and, you know, I thought what everyone thinks about that, which is, uh, well, that's that's true for people who aren't me. Right. Like That's that's true for people who aren't the protagonist of the story. But me, I will get the job. And I didn't. Right. Like the, the, ultimately, I went through the whole thing. I did a good job. I have a great dissertation that I'm very proud of. Um, some of it ended up in a book, uh, the book that I published, Story Mode, which I'm also very proud of. It, it, you know, there's there's stuff to show for it. And I did a good job. I did not get a job. Like I, you know, I've lectured, I, I have, you know, little side gigs and stuff like that, but no one wanted to hire me on full time. And, and that's, you know, that's how, how it goes. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of things you can say about that there. You can say like, well, it's about the capitalist um, restructuring of the academy, which of course it is. It's about the kind of uh, shotgun approach to um, uh, uh, hiring practices, which of course it also is. It's, you know, it's about, uh, meeting a school's need as opposed to, you know, just being a good scholar. It's also about that, but like ultimately, you know, facing facts, it's that the process didn't come out with the outcome that I was hoping. And, and in that case, you could call it a failed process in, in some ways. And, uh, I think if nothing else, you have to sort of, um, sit back and reflect and think, okay, like, well, then how did the process succeed? You know, I have colleagues who have, who have teaching jobs. Um, and I, you know, I think it's fair to say that their process succeeded more than mine. Why? I don't know, but it's not a, it's not unfair to, to sort of point that out and say like, yeah, look, like 
that worked out better for them. The podcast is kind of a weird middle ground, though, because it is such a, 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 a like a niche, right? Like it is a it's it's um, it's a very insular world podcasting. Um, you know, I have I have I have friends who do podcasting. The 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 people who do Chapa Trap House have been very very generous and kind to me. Um, the good friends, uh, you know, the 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 street fight. Um, uh, well, both Brett and Brian, but now particularly Brian is doing it. Um, just lovely, lovely people who have who have just been more than welcoming to me in all in all moments. Um, and, and, you know, like all sorts of other people. Uh, you know, I, I I don't want to list all of them because I'm gonna for, like I'm gonna forget people. But you know, the, you've heard me on their podcast. You know, the uh, the uh, the worst of all possible worlds, or uh, with Dia, or you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The Bunta Vista um, folks. But like, and there's more. I'm I, I'm not forgetting you. I just don't want to be annoying. Um, but you know, that feels like okay. You have your people. You you have enough. You you might be able to make a job out of this too. And, you know, there is a there's another voice saying, hey, look, this is a lot of people get no listeners. Very few people get the listeners that this podcast has. And then a very, very few group of people get the listeners that like successful. You can quit your job podcast get. Um, And it's a, a mix of you know, good management. It's a mix of luck. It's a mix of skill. It's a mix of interest. It's all that stuff. Right. But when I was thinking about it as, you know, okay, maybe I can pivot, right. Maybe I can take this, this PhD and do something cool with it and and make it a full-time job. It became the next step of that process. And the outcome was I can quit everything else and do this. Right. Um, And that's all well and good while it was growing. It is not a good way to think about it when it is what it is, and the content starts to stagnate because all I have in my mind is, why are my numbers going up, right? A few years ago, I mean, it's ages ago at this point, um, I was was not, you know, I had had lost a, um, a teaching course. And uh, posted on Twitter in frustration that my show was not uh, bigger than it was, and I was not especially generous to to some people, particularly the guys who do the E One podcast, um, uh, Branson and Andrew Hudson, and, and, and that whole crew. Um, and it, you know, it it cost me friendship with Andrew. Uh, it cost me, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of like washing their hands of me with me. I you know, I don't necessarily. Uh, blame them for that. Uh, you know, wouldn't have been my response. Wouldn't be my reaction. Well, I'll say that. But then again, I'm a bit of a pushover, so like I totally get it. Um, I see why they thought I was being unreasonable. Um, the point is not to dredge that up. It's to say that was a really unfortunate moment. And what I took from that was, well, I guess you know the groups don't want me, right? That's not what I should have taken from it. What I should have taken from it was. This is, you know, your your approach here is flawed. Your 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 way of thinking about this whole, you know, uh, transaction is flawed. Um, you're viewing this as a I deserve this because I've done X, Y, and Z, and I'm not getting it. And boy, that's so unfair. 
the truth is, as unfair as the world is, and as unfair as like so much of it is, right? Uh, you can point to like capitalism. You can point to uh, neoliberal ways of moderating and managing work. Um, there's legitimately unfair things, like you know, you're living in East Palestine and a train derails. There's there's things that are sort of structurally unfair, um, structural racism, structural, um, you know, uh, uh, discrimination in in any sense. Um, there's just, you know, there's there's kind of like perceived unfairnesses. Like I'm, I, I find it unfair that I didn't get a teaching job. Um, but of course, the market is designed in that way to limit them so that we get a lot more lecturers who are cheaper to hire and uh, contingent labor. All of that's true, right? It is all very unfair and very unfortunate. Of course, pointing out the unfairness is not sufficient to removing the unfairness from your life. Right. You can point out, uh, and, and I have many times, why things are unfair, why it seems like you should be, have more. Right. But simply pointing it out does not actually rectify it. You can't have a patch note for uh, um, reality. That's I mean, that's organizing. That's that's getting together to make the system different, overthrow, revolution, whatever. Right. Like people have done that. But it's not, you know, that's not people saying, hey, um, do you guys notice this? Like this capitalism thing is unfair. We need to we need to nerf it, um, and that that mentality came from you know both the procedural, um, give me good grades, like I'm on the dean's list approach to school that I had done, and also video games, which like yeah give you a list of stuff to do and you can do it. There's very few things you can't do in video games. It's not like a video game will say like yeah I'm sorry you know we we we've we've made it so that only you know one percent of the players can do this and you can't. Um, that's not in their interest. Um, but it does inform our worldview as people who play video games and, and, and particularly as people who like think about them seriously. Right. And in the same way that like, you know, maybe if you, you know, re you watch, you know, the hundred movies that Martin Scorsese tells you to watch, you won't have Martin Scorsese's career in the same way. It, this is a matter of um, mistaking process as a mistaking outcome as somehow determining of process. Um, the ultimate thing I want to say here, um, and I mean, this is like, this is a lot of um, kind of hemming and hawing, and I, I apologize for it. Um, I, I've, you know, recorded a version of this a million times and then deleted it or whatever. Um, I think the, the reason I wanted to bring it up, right, was because it's been something that's stuck on my kind of on my mind for a bit, this idea that um, I'd, I've already failed, right? Like the 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 podcast is is a dead scene. I've already failed. I haven't done you know X, Y, or Z in enough time, and and I'm and I'm old and I'm I'm used up, and it's it's worthless, right? And I think on some level, um, maybe I should just get a therapist. But on another level, you, the audience, are my therapist, and you get to hear that you know it, it's it's not a matter of um, that being an objective truth is a matter of that being a comfort to tell me, right? It's a comfort to say that it's it's over, it doesn't work, it's 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 a dead scene, whatever. Um, what I know to be true is that there's all sorts of things I could be thinking about. There's all sorts of people I could be talking to. I have great ideas, or I at least have great people to talk to about their great ideas. Um, there is no shortage of things that I can and will talk about on the podcast. Um, what I want to do to refocus myself with the podcast is stop thinking about progression as a as a kind of um, 
I, I don't know, as a kind of like necessary end to uh, to completing the work we're doing here. Um, you know, if we never reach more than a thousand people, um, you know, I don't I don't know how many people. But let's say it's a thousand. If we never reach that, that's fine. In the same way that if I had gotten a teaching job. I probably would still have a lot of reservations about where I was at in my career. Um, recognition and and um, you know plaudits and and salary and all that stuff. These things are meant to keep you wanting more, right? You can always be richer. You can always be more recognized. You can always be more successful. Um, ideas, on the other hand, and actual thoughtful cultural ideas spring forth from all spectrums of class and and race and, and and sexuality and like all the all the various corners of the world precisely because they are not finite outcomes that require more and more you aren't going to become more enlightened you aren't going to become like more um uh prone to understanding a text or more more profound or whatever if you have a good idea on a text, you can have one or you can have a hundred, right? You can you can have like ten thousand good thoughts about film or one good thought that everyone remembers, and it is, it's not about the people remembering it; it's about you having that thought. Um, and so, you know, I I I think it's time to, you know, point to the fact that video games are conditioning us to think about the world in terms of completing. Um, you know, one of my favorite recent stories is the story in, and I've mentioned this on many podcasts, is the story in Honkai Impact 3. That's a gotcha game. It's it's like, it's a wonderful story. It is built around making you see that wonderful story and wanting to spend money to get the characters in that story. 100% it's built around that. Like, you can't, you can't have one without the other. You can't say that it's a wonderful story without acknowledging that. Um, and that's a conflict. It's a total conflict. And you can gnash your teeth at the conflict. You can sort of um, point to the problems in the conflict. Uh, as I'm doing here, you can say, well, that gives you a list of achievements that is tied directly to your emotional uh, connection to these characters, and it's it's a way of stealing money, and it totally is. But the emotional connections are still real. And so, like, you can go back and forth on that and point out the problems and and lay them out, and there's value in that. But more importantly would be looking at the story itself and saying like, okay, like what's going on here? Why is this interesting? And why does it matter that it's presented in this way? Or why doesn't it matter that it's presented in this way? Ultimately, what I want to say here is the achievement quality of video games, the hundred percenting, the, you know, being the, 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 you know, the first week clears or whatever is a way of making video games, um, uh, resemble, Work resemble our 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 um, employment and resemble our lives outside of those video games. Uh, a way to sort of make um, a way to make something that is enjoyable into a job um, or into something that reflects the kind of quality you'd want in a job, um, which is to say, constant utilization of self into productive categories. Um, on the contrary, what I want to say is. There is no shame in playing a video game you can't point to and say, this was a productive use of my time. It's per it's actually great to play a video game and say, like, I didn't I like this didn't help me, you know, build my human capital. This is not a sense of 
you know, a way to invest in myself in the way that, you know, the, the contemporary entrepreneurial market wants us to. Thank you, Gary Becker. Um, but instead, it's okay, just like it's okay with a novel or just like it's okay to just like read a book or watch a movie because you are interested in that director, those thoughts, that concept, the plot, whatever. Um, and in the same way, it's okay to have intellectual thought that doesn't progress. And that's, I think, or that doesn't progress to something that financially solvent or whatever. Um, and, you know, that doesn't mean I'm not grateful for for all the ways that people have made this um, you know, financially remunerating for me. Um, you've made me able to keep keep it going. Um, I think the question I've always asked myself is, what if that went away? Would I still do it? And I think the ultimate answer has to be yes, right? Like it has to be, I've got to keep trying to make more money so I can do better work and more consistent work. But that is a functional problem, not a problem of, you know, do I have the thoughts here? I have the thoughts. You have the thoughts. We all have these thoughts and we can all use... We can all produce these ideas and make something wonderful, even if it doesn't completely line up with some sort of dream journal kind of approach to making yourself the perfect worker that you want to be. Um, so in short, uh, you know, while I am wonderfully thankful for everyone uh, who who donates and gives to the Patreon and all that, and, and, and you know, this this wouldn't be the way it is and the size it is and the have the scope it is without you, of which, you know, I can't can't say enough, honestly. Um, again, I'm not forgetting you. I just don't want to be annoying. That end of it does not necessarily give the value to the thoughtful part of it, right? What I produce thoughtfully, whether it's good or bad, right, is is um, irrespective of the money that comes in. And that can be said as a sort of way of keeping people under the thumb of uh, bosses who make a lot more money. Um, but it also should be said as a way of disconnecting productive from um, profitable, right? Intellectually, culturally productive, personally productive, uh, thoughtful posts, ideas, blogs, even if like six people read it, that does not mean that it is not valuable. Um, and, you know, the the presentation and broadcasting of completion and the, the fame that's attached to it, streaming, etc., I have no problem with it, but it does... It produces that kind of, of of tension, wherein the productive has to be the profitable. And I think, you know, the reason I have to make this podcast is to say to myself, actually. Uh, so thank you for letting me do that. Uh, those two things do not need to be conflated and one and the same. Um, and you know, I'm sorry if I've done anything to hurt anyone in the past that has uh, come from that impulse. Uh, it is it is not a it's not a charitable impulse. It's not a good impulse. Um, so what I'm going to be doing is is refocusing on just making stuff that I think is interesting. Um, it's the you know that's always the that's you know the goal initially and the goal now um, and you know doing it more consistently. Um, anyway, thank you for indulging me in something of a more uh, uh, self indulgent episode. Um, I hope it's kind of interesting, if nothing else, and uh, I hope you will join me again. Uh, have some interesting people lined up for guests, and some interesting people that I'm going to email to to see if they want to be guests. Uh, but you can always email me at trevor.strunk at gmail.com if you have any suggestions. Um, you can also go on the Patreon, patreon.com/slash Hegelman, if you want to see more. Or wait, that's 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. Hold on. <laughs> Wait, I forget. Patreon. Uh, oh, it's no cartridge now. Slash no cartridge. I think you can also get there via uh, slash Hagelpon as well. But there's a ton of posts there with actually, again, like they're older posts, but some of the stuff on there is super interesting. Some of the most interesting stuff I've done. So, you know, check it out. It's, it's pretty cool. Um, and, you know, just like I, I, I hope that you've enjoyed what we've done so far and I hope you enjoy what we'll do in the future. Um, and uh, I hope that you also are. Uh, producing things and doing things. If you ever want me to talk to you about this stuff on your show, I'm I'm always happy to come on and, you know, uh, tell a friend when you do something interesting. Um, even if they're the only people that like it, then you've, you know, you've, you've done something cool. You've done something productive, even if it isn't ever profitable. All right. Thanks, everyone. And uh, I will talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for listening to No Cartridge. If you'd like to support us further, please consider going to patreon.com slash nocartridge or for a one-time donation, paypal.me slash hagelbond, H-E-G-E-L-B-O-N. It's really, really helpful for all of us to be able to support uh, the many people who make the show, uh, you know, myself included, but also our producers and various co-hosts um, and, and writers and artists. Thank you so much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe, share, any of those things that would let other people get the quality video game analysis that you've grown accustomed to.